Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Have you ever thought that your job is a sales position? My guess is not. You're a leader. What would make you think it's a sales position? But today's guest, you're going to learn more about sales and how it actually might apply to you. Today, we're going to talk to Julia Meadows, and we're going to talk about three keys to building successful collaborative relationships. Julia is a nonprofit technology advisor with Kindful. She's been helping nonprofits find an easier way to manage their donors for about four years now. So she provides support to the nonprofits getting their database in order to help them with their fundraising efforts. And so you're going to learn not just about how sales applies to, you know, selling a a piece of technology, but how it applies to keeping your volunteers around, how it applies to your leadership, how it applies to building collaborative relationships in the community and more. So let's transition into today's show. Welcome to the show, Julia. We are going to talk about the three keys to successful collaborative relationships. And we're excited to hear from you because I know that you build collaborative relationships and you help your team build collaborative collaborative relationships. So tell us a little bit about Kindful first so that people have a little bit of a, a picture of what Kindful does. And for my Canadian listeners... You do do some work in Canada, so they can tune in as well. And yeah, just give us a little Cole Notes version of what Kindful does first. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, as you are thinking about your day-to-day in fundraising as well as like nonprofit work, sometimes the most tedious part of the day can be entering information to keep track of who important folks are to the nonprofit, whether that's a volunteer, a constituent, a donor, Really what Kindful does is serve as that central hub to bring all of those different groups of folks together so that as you have time throughout the day, you can get a sense of who you should be reaching out to, how you can thank and interact with the different groups of folks that are related to the nonprofit so that you're a little bit more proactive in your fundraising and communication strategy as opposed to kind of sitting back and having to take a little bit more reactive approach to think, okay, who is this person? I'm kind of cobbling together a couple of different technologies. Kindful is going to be that database that kind of does all of those thinking and reporting pieces for you so that you can communicate with those various audiences effectively. Makes total sense. And I know how hard it is to put a whole bunch of things together and try and make it spreadsheets and this little ass thing over here it's kind of a mess so yes it would be nice to have one database to have it all together okay so tell us how you got to kindful tell us a little bit about your backstory and what brought you to where you are today yeah sure so you know a little background on me i've always been fascinated with the concept of communication so went to college kind of studied communication with a underlying focus on communicative theory. So understanding like why do people communicate with each other in the ways that they do and trying to think forward to my career, you know, I I always knew that I wanted to have that sales focus. 
I started off and did okay, some. Oh, well, I got to pause you. Sales and communication. That just seems like a, a mix. Keep going, but I just want to say that. I'm like, really? Sales and communication? <laughs> yeah. So, and the, you know what? That's totally fair. I, I think I probably had more people have that reaction than thinking that it made all of the sense in the world. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that I started to realize is when I was doing a sale that felt maybe a bit more transactional. So I did insurance sales, which and this day and age is kind of just going to go to the person that's going to give you the best bang for your buck. And I realized um, when I thought about sales, I thought about the importance of creating lasting relationships. And it kind of made me take a pause. And then I found my way to Kindful after um, some time in, in sales that I was like, wait a minute, this just feels like I'm another person trying to, to push a product and um, have been lucky enough to kind of get to a place where it is a bit more relational as opposed to, to transactional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when we were talking before, you've been involved in some nonprofits in a volunteer role and stuff. So you've always kind of had that little piece of meaning attached to your life as well, right? Yeah, and that's a, such a important part of what drew me to Kindful. There is a nonprofit that is in Nashville, which is where I live, um, that I have spent, gosh, a little over a decade volunteering with, interning with, and um, they actually pointed me through the grapevine to Kindful. And when I heard that there was this world that I could live in where I could use my sales skills, but also serve the nonprofit community and be able to say, hey, I'm helping nonprofits go and make a greater difference in the world versus just helping a for-profit make more money. It just felt like the right place for, for me to start a career. And four years later, here I am. So it's been, it's been going super well. That's so cool. So when the phone rings or you get an email from a salesperson, our automatic reaction is to go, no, thank you. Uh, often, because we don't, we know we're going to get sold to. Uh, and, and has that been your experience with um, many of the nonprofits that you've reached out to? Absolutely. And I think that's human nature. When you get a cold call, the first thing you think is, oh no, how do I hop off the phone as soon as possible? And I think for nonprofits too, their day-to-day -day is more focused on how can I get these kids to X, Y, Z place, or how can I focus on providing the programs that we've got to provide today or, or things like that as opposed to picking up the phone and expecting that it's someone trying to sell them something. I think they're expecting that it's somebody within the community that they have either worked with or have the potential to work with. So that is a hundred percent the experience most of the time, but you know, <laughs> to be expected. Yeah. I remember back in the day we used to get faxes that would come in and we're like, Nope, Nope, Nope. <laughs> or the junk mail. Nope, Nope, Nope. Hits the garbage can before you even leave. So, uh -huh. You know, you just said cold calls. When I first started my business, you know, I, I heard this sort of idea about cold calls and warm calls. And I'm like, you know, what's, what's a warm call and what's a cold call? 
And I very quickly learned about the need to build relationships first. And that's part of the reason why I have this podcast. I don't expect anybody to go, hey, Kathy, I need you to coach me based on looking at my website for 30 seconds. Or, you know, I want to sign up for one of your courses. My expectation is you're going to get to know me a little bit before we do that. And so it's about building relationships. So, you know, if I reach out to somebody now, I've got a little bit of a warm relationship with them if they've, you know, already listened to me. Um, and so that's, that's what we're talking about today is how do you move from that, that transactional where it's like, do you want to buy? Yes, no, hang up, to transformational. What's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I was reflecting on our previous conversation, I started to think about your questioning me on how to what salesperson communication, like what, how do those two connect? And I started to think, you know, when you are in sales or when you are in a role like mine, where you're trying to interact with these nonprofits and get them to think about something that might not be the top of their mind day in and day out. Um, I kind of view a, a salesperson more as this connector between a need that the person that you're serving has and how your service that you're selling is going to meet that need. So needs are going to change and evolve as nonprofits do day in and day out. And what you really need to think about is like, I'm this person that is trying to meet those needs. So not only do I need to recognize that I have to understand their existing situation, but I also have to recognize that there are going to be moments where we meet their needs as they evolve and change. There are going to be moments where we might not meet those needs. And it's a little bit more of this consultation as opposed to, hey, I've got this thing. Are you interested? It's more the idea of, hey, can you explain to me what your day-to-day looks like, and then I can let you know if we can even help. Right, right. You know, so one of the things that drew me to Julia was her LinkedIn posts. So Julia, give her contact information at the end, but if you, if you don't follow Julia, you should go follow her because her LinkedIn posts are, are so um, matter-of-fact and engaging to help us understand just the basics of communication. And it really drew me in because I think sometimes, you know, I would want something from a staff member or I would want something from a funder and I would pick up the phone and say, I need this. Um, Or can you do this? Or is this possible? Before I kind of went, hey, you know, how's your day going? What's happening for you? You know, what? And so if I think about what do I need? What do they need? Yeah, I want it to be a mutual connection where we're servicing each other. If it's always take, 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 and never give, it really quickly closes off. Yeah, I I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, right? Um, I think you have to, one, in a relationship, before you can make a withdrawal, you have to make an investment. It's an empty bank account. You have to ask that person in that moment, how are you? Where are things for you? Um, how have you, in the instance of a nonprofit that's contacting a volunteer, like how have you enjoyed the experience? Have you found value in the way that you've been interacting with us up until this point? And then once you get a sense of 
maybe what they do get value out of, maybe what they wish that they hadn't invested so much time in with a previous organization, you start to kind of meander your way towards this mutually beneficial path where you can say, hey, based on what you've said, here are some ideas that I have on how we can work together as opposed to, hey, here's this thing that I need. Can you or can you not provide it? Yeah. So we talked about, and I I want you guys to know with all of my guest podcast interviews, I always do prep first. So Julie and I took some time to, to prepare and we came up with three ways to build collaborative relationships. Ready to dive into those? Let's do it. All right. Tell us what the first step is. Yeah. So step one previously alluded to is invest in the relationship, right? So the thing that I always like to think about is you have two types of people in your life that probably come to mind. Um, The first person is the person where every time they're calling you, you think like, I wonder what they want from you. (laughs) Like, I wonder why they're calling. And it might not be Um, all the time that they're kind of talking about themselves or or being me focused. But then there's on the flip side, the person that calls you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell them what's been going on with me because they have invested so much to understand what's going on with your day to day that you know, hey, when I call or when they call me, it's going to be this thing where I'm getting as much value out as I am investing into the relationship. And I think, you know, professionally applied, right? Um, If you're a constituent that is working with an organization and the only communication that an organization has given is organizationally focused you probably have a really strong understanding of their mission and their day-to-day and the impact that they're making. Um, But you might not have that oomph as to, oh, wow, like of all of the folks that I've worked with or given to in the past or attended an event, that is the organization that I think I'm curious to spend a little bit more time with. But if you take a little bit of a a joint approach to personalize some of the email communications, asking them how they'd like to be involved based on how they were previously, um, that's kind of where you start to find your way to that person's going to start to open and read your newsletter all the time and seek out the ways to participate with the organization because it's been tailored to their exact interests yeah, as opposed to... But you have to find out their interests first. Absolutely, yeah. A funny story, I was doing... I, I had a coaching call yesterday with a client and she was talking about relationships and stuff and she was saying, you know, whenever I get on the phone with my mom, I like talk and 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 then I hang up the phone and I'm like, I don't think she said much. <laughs> and, and she says to me, I sure hope I'm not that way with my employees. And I mean, that's what it's like, right? We we talk and talk, but we don't sort of take that breath to say, yeah, what's going on in your world? Um, tell us what your challenges are, what your problems are, what, where, what you've experienced in the past, so that then we can see if there's that mutual connection. Yeah. So 
Sorry, Julia, you said invest is the first one. How much time do we need to invest? Oh, gosh. Um, Great question. Yeah, that that is a fantastic question. I think to a certain degree, it's going to be based on where they are in that relationship with the organization. Um, I think as you start off, you have to kind of get a sense of the amount that they're willing to go on that journey with you. Mm-hmm. And first ask whether that be me to a nonprofit or a nonprofit to a constituent, if that person is willing to go on that journey. And then you have little checkpoints along the way to say, hey, you've engaged and you've come to a couple of events. I've seen that you've volunteered a couple hours. Has this been something that you would like to do more of? And then as you kind of go on that journey, I think is when you start to figure out hey, this person is willing to invest in us up to a certain degree. And maybe over time, it'll be something where if you guys as an organization can continue to dive back into, it'll continue to grow deeper. But I think to a certain degree, it's a little bit more of taking moments to pause and say, this is where we are in the relationship with this individual is it a point where we think we should invest more or is it a point where they've kind of alluded to us that they're kind of tapped out on bandwidth and then you kind of progress in the relationship accordingly. Well, and so I want to highlight, we're talking about you work for an organization that sells a product or a service, Correct. but we're talking about sales in terms of you're selling to a volunteer to convince them to volunteer with your organization. You're selling to your employee to say, do you want to stay here longer? Uh, You know, do you want to become a long-term employee or, you know, you just cranking the wheel to the next step. Um, Those are all sales relationships, right? Absolutely. And I think you draw such an important um, connection, right? Which is nonprofits, although they are, selling investment of time and potentially donor dollars, they are selling something and they are a part of this mutually invested relationship in the same way as I look to sell to a nonprofit. We're providing a service that meets their need, but it is a mutual investment to say, hey, does our service still meet your needs? Is it something that you'd like to invest more dollars in, maybe get more personalized training? Or are we at a moment where you're okay where you are, but you're happy to stay? Or have we kind of reached a juncture where you're looking to pursue a different software? In the same way, I think sometimes, you know, there are donors and or volunteers that decide to allocate their time and funds across a number of different nonprofits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first step, invest. Anything we missed in invest? I don't think so. I think that was that was pretty okay. all-encompassing. Step two. Step two, develop. Um, uh, develop. This one, I can honestly say, is I think probably one of the hardest pieces in the three. Um, because I think as you think about investing and I'll I'll credit you with this one, right? You said, hey, 
don't ask me on a date without getting to know me first. And I'll credit that to Donald Miller for this. I didn't come up with that on my own, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, as you begin to understand and interact with people about what they care about most, then you move into this phase where you need to recognize where the relationship is up to that point and say, thank you. Right. So, hey, for instance, with Kindful, thank you so much for signing up for this service. We know you have chosen us over a number of different folks. And then you really have just entered the starting point of what is the relationship, right? Which is once, for instance, within nonprofits, like once somebody has decided to give to the organization, of course, organizations are going to say thank you. But that's the moment where the organization can say thank you and then maybe pause on communicating with them until the next season rolls around where it's time to ask for donor dollars. Or it's the moment where you say, okay, how can I pay attention to this person, learn how to deepen the relationship and figure out other ways that we can work together, whether that be having that person give on a recurring basis, perhaps having that person introduce some friends of theirs that also care about similar types of nonprofits. Um, And I think that's the piece where it gets really impactful for an organization, but sometimes hard to like make that leap of, the thank you to, okay, we've said thank you, but how do we get this moving forward in a very proactive way so far as the way that we're interacting with that person as opposed to a reactive approach? And I'll draw a parallel here. So, you know, in organizations, we hire new people all the time. And we do this wonderful little interview and we bring them on the first day and we're so kind and nice the first day and we maybe do a little bit of an orientation package and then they're left to go to the wolves. <laughs> you know? And that's what happens so often in organizations. And so what we're talking about is you as a leader need to continue to invest in your team. You yeah. need to go check in and see how they're doing. You need to help them develop and grow and reach their potential. You need to train them. You need to do whatever but you continue to do the work to invest in that relationship so that, again, we're talking about collaborative relationships, not one way, so that they in turn are invested in your organization, stay long-term, work towards the, the mission that you all want to do together and do that meaningful work. Otherwise, it just becomes transactional. I put my hours in, I take my paycheck, I'm done. And that's what happens you want to say something? No, I'm just like sitting here nodding my head and I've seen in companies taking the approach of saying, let's figure out how to help you reach your full potential versus they get in the door and then so begins kind of the punch in, punch out mentality. And it it is so night and day the way that that individual employee or whomever it is, right? The way that they take pride and or um, kind of this emergent, like, hey, let's like try and get as far as we can so that we can 
better the company, better ourselves versus this idea of like, okay, I'm going to do my minimum. I'm going to get by, like, I'm just going to get in, get out, not necessarily be noticed. It's so, it's so different. It's so different. And it, and it's the same as what you were just saying a minute ago about if I'm a volunteer in an organization and I feel invested in an organization, you're right. I'm going to go tell two friends and they're going to go tell two friends and your organization is going to, you know, get more people to support it. But it's not transactional. It really is this develop stage that's important. You can't just get them in the door and then drop them. It doesn't work. Well, and I think sometimes I would, and you know, don't quote me on this, but I would love to understand in terms of hours invested or time invested, if you aren't retaining, say, oh, a donor. The you know, data is crazy. Yeah, the amount of time that it takes you to actually go and find a new donor at the same gift level as it would have for you to have kind of invested a bit more in the front end of that relationship and then maintained that level of investment. And the, and the truth that that's true about employees as well. Oh, the amount right. of time you invest in recruiting an employee is, is crazy. So you may as well invest in them and keep them around long-term. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What are those things do we need to cover in the develop stage or develop? Yes. <laughs> Get my words wrong here. <laughs> um, honestly, I, like I said, I, I think really of the three pieces that piece can be the most transformational for a company or a nonprofit as they think about trying to take a proactive approach as opposed to that reactive approach. And it really helps them also reap the rewards of the initial investment that they made by finding this person, thanking them, so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. So we're investing in the relationship. We're developing the relationship, which kind of takes it deeper, which takes us into the third one, which is? Create meaning. Um, so there's obviously a number of anecdotes I think that you can probably give when you talk about the nonprofits and or the people that you've worked with in the past, right? But there's one in particular that kind of comes to mind for me, and it's the nonprofit that I've worked with for over a decade. And I was recently attending um, an event of theirs. I volunteered with it for a number of years. And, you know, I show up, I actually was meeting their new executive director for the first time. And I show up, she greets me by name, asks me how I've been, knows kind of the connection that I've had with the nonprofit. And amidst plenty of other people that she could have been talking to. She sat down on the steps with me and said, you know, how have you been up to this point? I know that, you know, the way that you've interacted with the organization has meant so much. And I by no means am their top level giver, nor am I their most frequent volunteer. But that was the moment where I stepped back and said, this executive director who has been the executive director for only several months now, still getting her feet wet, took the time to know who I am and thank me for my previous amount of time and, and dollars given. And I think when those types of moments happen for people outside of the organization is when your 
nonprofit and the connection that they have with you becomes far more than the level of connection that they're going to feel with another nonprofit because they felt seen and the essential outcome of that for me was I just thought to myself, wow, I am going to pour that much more time and attention into this relationship. And, you know, that type of relationship, when you're talking about investment, that required years, but it also required a moment where there was real intention from someone who had just stepped into the organization. Um, so, you know, the, the meaning piece is a little bit more of a snowball effect that I think that takes place. But when you have somebody that's in a leadership position that has the finger on the pulse of what's most important to that nonprofit, if it's most important to know and appreciate their people, that's when people outside start to notice and say, wow, like this organization really cares not only about what they're doing for their broader mission or for the community, but they care about appreciating what's being given to the nonprofit to make those things happen. I'm going to make a, an assumption that when she started, somebody told her a story or two or five about you. I think you're right. Um, I did some internships with them. And obviously, like I said, I volunteered at a number of their events. And I've also benefited from their programs. I could probably go on about them for forever. But that's the type of thing where when you have those anecdotal stories that are told about you, stories. it's you'll, you'll never forget them in the way that I'm telling this story to you. And it sticks in the back of my mind always. Yeah. Well, and here's, this goes back to your communication background. Uh, stories create meaning and they evoke uh, memories, but they evoke meaning in terms of emotions. There's a, there's like a heartwarming connection. When you hear that story, um, you can, I mean, for us, we can feel how it must have felt engaging to be sitting on the steps. And, and here's what Julia did. She told the, the background story. She told the, you know, I mean, we don't, we have no idea what fundraising event it was, but the fact that you are sitting on the steps with her and she's intently engaged in a conversation with you. I mean, she invested time, right? She's new to the organization. She invested time. She chose to go deeper. She didn't go, hi, thanks for being such a great volunteer, Julia. She invested the time and then she developed that, you know, went and going deeper to create that meaning about here's, you know, what you've done for the organization I've heard. And my guess is she actually probably talked about next steps even gently or something to that effect. Yes. Well, I mean, I think she was giving a little bit of a story on what's been taking place since I had last seen the organization because it was obviously the first time that I met her. So I hadn't necessarily seen the remainder of the team in a couple of months. And she was explaining to me some of the tweaks that have been made, um, kind of where they're shifting focus as they look towards the remainder of the year. Um, and I 
which is neither here nor there, right? But I did give more than I've given previously to them because I felt compelled to. Yeah. How could you not, right? (laughs) Because it wasn't transactional. I I always, you know, the the kids standing at the door selling chocolate bars, here's your money, you know, it's transactional. Um, And so we really are talking about building collaborative relationships. I'll tell you one story. A few years back, many years back, when I was leader of an organization, I had... Um, a guy wanting to do some training for me and my team. And he probably first sent me an email or something. And then we got on the phone a couple times and we talked about what it could look like. And, you know, we probably got on the phone, I bet three times, four times over that span of time. I sent a proposal to my boss because I didn't have the fund making or fund or the, you know, check writing capacity at that point for something that big. My boss said, no, a year later, he came back. He's like, this year, I'm like, I hope so. You know, we went, did the whole back and forth. Nope. Fast forward now, probably 15 or more years later, I'm not in the organization long since gone, but he and I still have a relationship. He never did training for my organization. We never paid him a dime, um, but he and I have a relationship and we now support each other's businesses. And so it's like, okay, he was willing to invest that time then, got nothing out of it then, but many years later. And so, you know, I, you know, I said that was a trick question earlier about how much time do you invest? You know, it all depends. I mean, there's no right answer, but I think we often look at the short term results and we have to slow down and go, I don't know what's going to happen from this, but Hey, I like this person. I feel like investing some time with them. That's so, that's so well put. I I think, you know, sometimes there's this impasse that people feel where it's after X amount of time, if this result hasn't been achieved, it's time to just move on. But life isn't that simple. So why should a relationship when you're thinking about the potential to to work with someone? um, And the thing that I, I think is so interesting about nonprofits, right, is, you know, there are often times where a development director leaves, becomes the executive director at a new organization, and they've then been promoted to somebody that maybe was originally using the database that now has been the person that maybe gets the uh-huh. check signing approval. And we didn't work with them, but because we created a positive experience and recognized that the organization previously maybe couldn't move forward with the service at the time, we then come to mind. And I think that's similar to the story that you just shared. And that's where sales becomes not so much sales, because if you're treating sales like sales, then you're not going to be that person that comes to mind, or maybe you will be, but not in a great way. Yeah, it'll be the used car salesman vision. <laughs> All right. So the three things we want you to think about when you're building collaborative relationships, whether they're sales relationships or otherwise, invest in your relationship, make sure that you take some time to develop the relationship and then create that meaning in the relationship. Julia, thank you so much for your time and all of your wonderful stories and wisdom that you've shared today. Um, Any last thoughts that you want to add that we might not have touched on? You know, I I think the thing that 
I've started to figure out over the past several years is sometimes laying something out like this seems super straightforward, but it's going to take tinkering. And I think sometimes you have to be honest with yourself that maybe you're not at the point where you can implement all three of these pieces at once. And just starting the journey is the most important part. Um, and making sure that you're consistently investing in those relationships. And then as you invest in them, then you can work on further developing and then creating meaning because as you and I both mentioned, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit of time, but sometimes it might take 10 years like it did for me. So Exactly. Exactly. All right. So you've got a couple links from Kindful. I'll pop those into the show notes. You've got, uh, tell me the one is the checklist, the phone fundraising steps. Tell us about that one. Oh man. So we do have a great team that has a lot of nonprofit experience. And I actually found myself reading this phone fundraising script from our marketing team and applying it to our actual team. Um, So there are some great tidbits, I think really just about how to frame a conversation from a fundraiser's perspective so that when you're picking up the phone to communicate with somebody that maybe you've never spoken to that's a volunteer when you're asking for donor dollars or maybe just somebody that's living in the database, how you can start that call with the right intention so that it's not so scary for the person on your team that's calling as well as so that you're providing some context to this person that has somehow made their way into your database. So it's a helpful conversation. I love having sort of the script, at least the starting point of the script is always helpful. And then we'll share your guys' blog as well. So tell them where to connect with Kindful and where to connect with you, Julia. Yeah. So Kindful is like mindful, but with a K. So it's K-I-N-D-F-U-L.com. Feel free and come through that way. I am on LinkedIn. I believe that you'll be dropping a a link in there, Kathy. And if anybody has any questions and or wants any additional content, wants to hop on a webinar and see some additional insights that we have serving up for the nonprofit community, you can always just email me at julia, J-U-L-I-A, at kindful.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julia, for taking the time to do this with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the Training Library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome. Awesome.